This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, it's Addictive Eaters Anonymous On Air. Welcome to Addictive Eaters Anonymous on Air, here on Plains FM. My name's Louise and I'm an Addictive Eater and the host of this show. This is an opportunity to share with you about how Addictive Eaters Anonymous works and to talk with an Addictive Eater who will share their experience of recovery from Addictive Eating. Well, how does AEA work? Sobriety in AEA is freedom from Addictive Eating and all mind-altering substances. AEA members achieve sobriety by sharing their experience, strength and hope with each other and living the 12-step programme of recovery as a way of life by regular attendance at meetings, getting a sponsor, working the steps, keeping in contact with sober members and carrying the message of recovery. Members are freed from addictive eating and the obsession with food. At the heart of the AEA programme is the spiritual concept of surrender. Okay, so I've got Robin here today in the studio with me. Um, Hi Robin, lovely to have you here. Thanks Louise, thanks for asking me. I'm really fascinated and curious about your story because I know you're somebody who came into the fellowship twice. And so what I'd really love to hear more about is what happened the first time you came in and and why wasn't that the end of your eating? So, Robin, let me know. What's the story? Okay. Um, When I look back now, this is what I believe, is that I came in at that time and had no problem believing I was um, an addictive eater because the food had me. It really did have me. And my husband um, said that he was sick of me the way that I was and he was going to leave. And he, he said, which I thought was very smart, that it was something to do with the food. And so I came along and I had no problem with admitting I was a um, addictive eater because it was obvious that, you know, I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop eating. I remember saying to my mother just a few months before this that I came in, um, I need something more. I, I don't need a diet. I know everything there is to know about diets. And it's not that that's the problem. But I didn't know what the problem was. So when I came in, I was able to get off the food I guess you would say I was. But I didn't, and I identified with addiction. I identified with the behaviours and I identified with, I wasn't so sure I had a messy life, but I did identify with addiction the way it was talked about. And I got on a food plan and that was fine. But when I look back now, I don't believe that I ever 
surrendered any other part of my life. I wanted to have a little addiction. <laughs> and it was Robin, you know, trying to control things. Well, I'll just have this bit of an addiction and I won't worry too much about the other things. But I didn't know I was doing that at the time. It's only because I've come back, been to enough meetings to identify and to hear, you know, what addiction's like. So I'm not even sure that you could say these days, well, I've been told that I was half-baked, and I think I was, just half-baked. And that was just the way it was. And so... It was, I thought I was doing fine, and because I have, am the way I am, I was very good at showing a good front, but it wasn't real. I seem to remember, Robin, that eventually you went off travelling. Do you think that the fact that you picked up food again was in some ways because you had gone away from the fellowship or, or not? No. No, I don't. I think I wasn't fully on board right from the beginning, really. Yes, yeah, something went through my mind when you first asked the question. It was more that I didn't do it completely than the fact that I lost it because I'm not quite sure that I ever had it. <laughs> you get what I mean? I do. So just to wind back a little bit, um, very interesting that your husband could see that the issue was food. What was he seeing? What was he seeing Robin do that made him think she's got a problem with food? Well, he saw Robin overweight. I'm not sure if he saw the behaviours around, you know, me grazing all the time or um, keeping food behind the flower bin in the pantry and all those tricks that we do, but he saw me gaining weight. And, but I don't think he was aware of the extent of the um, binging that I did. But the other thing was he got to the point where when he came home in the evening, he wasn't sure what he was going to meet. You know, the, there would be this woman trying to look after children and being very organised but also being very withdrawn and stroppy. I would call myself stroppy. Just not pleasant to be around. Did you have any other sort of addictions on the go at the time? Have you been a smoker or a, a taker of drugs or a, a drinker? Mm, yes, I certainly identify with the drinking. The drinking and the food, once I started, I could not stop. And... Uh, you know, I went to my first AA meeting way back in 1988 and I identified from that very first meeting. I remember somebody saying to me after the meeting, oh, I know what's wrong, you've got radio stations in your head. And I looked at that person and thought, oh my gosh, she knows. They all knew, of course. <laughs> I identified very strongly in AA meetings. Mm. So you wanted to just have a little problem and you wanted to still live the life that you wanted to live. Yes, so how many years were you in the first time, Robin? That, oh, that was the other thing that occurred to me before when you asked the question. I would never call myself in the fellowship. I was somebody that sat on the periphery of the fellowship. I, was, I wanted to pretend and I wanted to show that I had it all together. And that was quite a hard shell to break. 
you had a sponsor at the time, mm-hmm. I imagine. Did they pick up on the fact that you weren't really fully surrendered? Oh, yes. Yes. But I wouldn't have been able to listen to that. I wouldn't have been able to hear that. Because, you know, I just wanted this little addiction. So so off you went. I, last I remembered seeing of you, you were off to uh, the States, I think, um, mm-hmm. and you were going to travel. And, and then there was an interlude of several years, and then next thing, back you came, and, and there you were. So please tell me what happened in those intervening years. Okay, I don't think that my going off travelling had anything to do with me getting worse because I wasn't really in the programme from the beginning. Um, So the disease was progressing in me anyway. And the fact that we went overseas, certainly I continued to go to meetings for about 10 years, but again, they were only one or two meetings a week. And they were... I was still had that attitude of, well, I'm. It's only this little addiction. <laughs> Gosh, it was it ten years, Robin? I can't believe it. Ten years that you between you going and coming back. Well, we went travelling in two thousand and five, and I came back in two thousand and fifteen. Good Lord above. All right, so you were still going to meetings, and so you felt like in some way you were still addressing the food. Were you binging? Were you, were you grazing again? Were you back to being overweight? What what was happening there? No, I wasn't binging, although that started to happen within the last year before I came back. But I was certainly doing crazy things, like, for example, deciding all by myself to go on an all-raw diet because I had some stomach problems, which, of course, many of us do, I decided that raw food was the best thing. So I would go off to raw food seminars and I got all this information about how to cook, not cook things, but how to prepare these recipes. And so I would live on these things. And I remember living on raspberries and something else very raw. I was grating up beetroot and um, raw beetroot and pumpkin and... At the time, I felt that I was very justified in doing this because this was helping my digestive problems. It's fascinating the way that our addiction doesn't express itself always in overeating a sort of you know treat food, but it can go along yeah. that sort of path of looking like extremely healthy eating. Yes. Yes, that's right. There's someone in the fellowship that talks about it didn't matter what they picked up. It didn't matter whether it was a carrot or whether it was a cream bun. And I so identify with that. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm, that's right. So then what, 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 was the, what was the circumstances that made you think that's it, I've got to go back to the meetings, I've got to get back into the fellowship, I've, I've really lost my way? Fair enough that it was, it's fair to say I had had the feeling or the thought two or three years prior to when I came back. I thought I've got to go back. But of course, I couldn't think about that. You know, um, I was living in, a, in somewhere down south and, you know, trying to set up this life for myself, working and getting into the community and 
that thought I would have immediately put away. But the thing that happened was it was a, a life situation that happened and I came back to Christchurch and came back to Christchurch basically to start a new life. And the idea was in my head when I got back to Christchurch but and I went to a couple of meetings but again it was still me thinking that it wasn't bad enough. And I honestly can't tell you what actual thing got me to the point. I remember having almost what I thought was a mental breakdown in the car one evening when I was at work. And I thought, I've got to go back. And that wasn't really something that I had worked through for myself. It was more, well, I would have to call it a God job, really. I knew that I had to come back. And I knew that when I did come back, I had to be committed. I had to be committed to. But you see, I thought that I had to be committed, but in actual fact, the commitment came just from going and just from being there and just from identifying. I was a mess, and, and you can verify that. I do remember. I do remember you being very, very unable to really articulate very much mm. about how you felt or what was going on but mm. you just seemed to be you really needed to be there I really mm. picked up on how much you needed to be there mm. 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 so this time you came back and, and there was a real surrender is that what you see now? Yes, looking back I think that's what happened I, I still think that I can tend to hold on to things that I should be discussing with another person, I still think that there is more, and I'm, I, I guess I just sit and I'm willing, and it it will happen um, because, so long as I stay where I am. And so, is the food uh, you know, again the 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 problem with the food has been removed? You you're able to yes. food plan yes. Oh, yes, I live on my food plan. Right. So you, have you had to work the steps sort of all over again, but with a different outlook? Yes, I've had to work the steps all over again, but it's not difficult to work the steps. I'm not pushing to work the steps. It's, I feel that it's part of, more well, part of my life these days. And I remember being told very early on, you just keep doing what you're doing. And it will, you will do them. You'll, and and that's been my experience. Mm. And so now you see that the addiction to food isn't a small problem, but in fact is part of the the wider issue of being an addict. Yes, because it it encompasses my whole life, mm. and it was my whole life that was affected mm. um, by the time I came back. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't read things and make sense of them. I found it difficult to articulate, like he was saying. Um, I had no sense of who I was or what I was doing or even where I was meant to be. I mean, it was a relief to come back in because... I knew what I needed to do. I went to meetings each night. I um, tried to work the steps. I rang my sponsor. I saw my sponsor every day. Um, all those little things have built up 
to, I have a life. I'm very grateful. Very, very grateful. So life now is different to life in the early days? Yes. 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 And certainly life before I came back. I didn't realise how small my life had become Mm. and I didn't realise how I was not functioning Mm. because I really wasn't functioning. I feel these days that I will be able to reach a potential and Mm. I don't know what that is. Mm. I hear that in the fellowship sometimes that we become the person we were meant to be which is Mm. a lovely idea. Yes, yes. And I say, who's that? But Mm. um, it doesn't matter. It'll obvious that some, on some day. That's right. Yeah. It will be revealed in time. Yes, that's mm. right. Mm. And so, of course, I've got to ask you the question that I'm always fascinated by in everyone, and that's your higher power, because, of course, that is a big part of the fellowship, is that we yes. have a, a higher power of our own understanding. I don't know if you're able to sort of talk about your higher power. Did you have a concept of a higher power before you came into the fellowship? What's it like? How's it changed? What's it like now? That's a good question, Louise. <laughs> I like these. I was brought up in a religion, so I had an idea of God. But I often think my idea of God was very much Robin's idea of God rather than, you know, anything I'd been taught. And so that God tended to be a very judgmental God. And that's not what I have today. I'm much much more open to what is about and and there's tons of not religious but spiritual practice practices that we can do. I mean the program encourages us to pray and to meditate. Well, meditation has been something that I've done right from coming back because everybody else did it, so I just did too. So I can't say that I've noticed a huge difference because I meditate. I mean, I've noticed a huge difference because I'm back. So, and I don't actually know what my God looks like. I just know that my God's there. And that's enough for me. And it feels good, but Mm -hmm. that's the way it is. So Robin, if there's somebody listening who's feeling that desperation and that, you know, that, that they've sort of come to the end of their eating maybe it's maybe it's their time maybe it's not mm-hmm. what would you say to them I'd say come along to an Addictive Eaters Anonymous meeting and if you identify just keep coming it's as simple as that really isn't it it is yes mm. yes all the agony that you go through and thinking about it and mm-hmm. analysing it and all that sort of thing doesn't matter in the end wonderful I've really, really enjoyed hearing a, a tiny bit about your ongoing recovery in the fellowship of Addictive Eaters Anonymous. Thank you so much, Robin. Yeah, thanks, Louise. If you have heard anything today which you've related to or would like to know more about us, please go to our website, www.aeanz.org. There are three meetings a week in Christchurch, as well as a monthly worldwide meeting on Zoom. A podcast of our show will be available on iTunes and Spotify, as well as the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Our show goes out on the fourth Monday of each month at midday. Thank you for listening, and I trust you go well. 
Until we catch up next month on Addictive Eaters Anonymous on air, Plains FM 96.9.